you have a Bible with you and you want to turn there, we're going to look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16 is where I'm going to begin. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today, a little more than we usually do. I refer to a lot of scripture always, but I'm going to have you read a little more today. So we're going to start in John 16. If you've got your Bible, then we're also going to go to Acts 16 in just a few minutes. So let's just take a moment and pray, okay? Join me in this prayer. Father, I open my heart to hear from you. Your word speaks to us. Your spirit speaks to us. And Father, we open our hearts today to let your Holy Spirit and your word work in our lives. So open up the eyes of our understanding. Show us where this message fits today and show us how to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I want to spend the next couple of Sundays talking about voices. Voices. There are so many voices in our world that sometimes it's confusing when you put it all together. Some are saying this, some are saying that, some are over there, some are over here. The more voices you listen to in our world today, the more confused life seems to get. And these voices are screaming for our attention and they're trying to influence the decisions that we make in life. They're trying to influence what we believe and what's going on in our hearts. And of course, whatever's going on in your heart is going to come out in your life. It's going to produce the actions in the course of your life. And I think sometimes we find ourselves asking, well, who do I trust? Who do I trust? When you look at what's going on in our nation today, there's so many voices. You wonder, who can I trust? Well, in this first message today about voices, I want to talk to you about God's presence in our life, about his voice speaking to us in our everyday lives. And let me set this up for you. As a believer, these are things you probably already know. If you don't know these things, I just want to run through a couple things real quickly this morning. In John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus, who was a religious leader at the time, Jesus had to educate him about what Jesus called a new birth, being born of the Spirit of God. A lot of churches call it a born-again experience. Jesus talked about this new birth, and he said we would be born of the Spirit where his Spirit would begin to make our spirit alive, and God would actually come and live with us. And Jesus said that God, through his Spirit, would be with us and in us. And then Jesus with his disciples, John 16, we're going to read there in just a moment. Jesus began to talk to them about the work of God's Spirit in our lives. We refer to, the, to God's Spirit as the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm about to go away. Your hearts are going to be heavy. You're worried, well, what are we going to do without Jesus? Jesus said, if I go away, I will send you another helper. I will send you someone to fill the hole that you have in your hearts. And it will be what Jesus called the promise of the Father or the Holy Spirit. He will come. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now think about that. It's to your advantage. It's to my advantage, Jesus says, that he would go back to the Father and send this comforter to all of us who would be with us and in us. It's amazing how many Christians live their lives never thinking about the work of God's Spirit that goes on day by day by day. If you're a child of God, he's not only with you, he's in you. 
He's in you. Now, look at John 16. We're going to jump into the middle of what Jesus is saying here. But he's talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. John 16, look at verse 13. Jesus says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. The Spirit that brings truth. The Spirit that speaks truth. The Spirit that will lead us into truth. Jesus says he will guide you into all truth. That word guide literally means he will show you the way into a life that lives in truth. Jesus goes on to say he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak. He will tell you or announce to you things to come. Verse 14, Jesus says, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, I want you to catch this real quick. Jesus says, The Spirit that will live in you will take what Jesus is, what he's been teaching, and he will bring it to us and announce it, declare it to us. And then Jesus says this in verse 15. Notice the words. All things that the Father has are mine. Now stop here just a moment. Jesus said all things that the Father has are mine. Those of us who really get into a little bit of theology, we believe in a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, they make up one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus in his ministry continually made this statement. He said, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what the Father is saying. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will tell you what I've been saying, which is what the Father's been saying. They're in agreement. So the Spirit of God won't tell you something different. He will tell you what the heart of God is for your life and your situation. So all things that the Father has are mine. And the rest of this verse says, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, with what I've just read to you, and, and believe me, I'm just in my introduction. I've got a lot to say, and I'm going to move fast today, so you need to listen fast with me, okay? If I have been born of God's Spirit, I can expect God's Spirit, God's voice, to lead me. I can expect the Spirit of God that lives in me to lead my life, which brings me down to two questions. Am I listening to God Second of all, am I following what he's saying? Am I listening and am I following? Now, what I want to do the rest of this message, I want to look at what the Apostle Paul said and, and some things he said, some things that happened in his ministry throughout the book of Acts. And, and really, to do this really, really well, it would take two or three Sundays, but I'm going to encapsulate it and, and, and make it some really small pieces to give to you today. If you study the life and ministry of Paul from the time of his conversion, he lived a life that was led by the Spirit of God. And he wrote about it, not only in Acts as it recorded, but he wrote about it in the letters he wrote to the churches, being led by the Spirit of God. Now, let me start with the story today. I told you we're going to Acts 16. I want to go ahead and go there now. Acts 16. I want to read a little story of what happened to Paul when he's at Philippi. Verse 16 of Acts 16 says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us. 
who brought her masters much profit by what? Fortune telling. So here's this slave girl. She's demon possessed. There, a group of men own her, and she makes money for them by the spirit of Satan trying to foretell the future for people's lives. She's a fortune teller. Okay? Verse 17. So this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, think about this. Paul comes to this town. He's the first one to come there with the story and the witness of Jesus Christ. He's sent by God to establish a church there in Philippi. And I were there just a few months ago. We saw the location, the digs, the remains from what is there at Philippi that they're still excavating from 2,000 years ago. But the interesting thing is, as Paul comes to this town, he begins to preach the word of God. He begins to tell the story of Jesus. He begins to declare the new covenant we have with Christ to these Gentiles. And as he's doing so, all of a sudden, this young lady starts following them around. And the people of the community know her. It's not like it was, you know, four million people there in the community. It was a small community. But they begin to follow, she begins to follow them around, and, and uh, those people know her, and they know that she works by this evil spirit to foretell fortunes. Now, let me spend a minute here, okay, because I'm going to give you some food for thought. Satan and his demons, his angels, do not know the future. They're not omniscient. Now, he can read the Bible and find out what his future is, but he doesn't want to read that. He doesn't want to know about that, okay? <laughs> Satan doesn't know the future, but he and his demons do know the past and the present. And what this girl would do, like most fortune tellers, she would, by the spirit of the devil... Talk with someone, and this spirit would begin to tell her, oh, tell them they had Cheerios for breakfast this morning. You had, you had Cheerios for breakfast. Wow, how'd you know that? And you got three kids, and one of them is a real troublemaker. Wow, how did you know that? Yeah, and you and your husband have really been having a lot of problems getting along because of what's going on with those kids. That's not the future, that's the past. How many are with me this morning? Okay, about 40% of you. The rest of you pay attention. I'm going to catch you up to speed here. But Satan does not know the future. But what Satan does, he works by deception. So he tells you things through this evil spirit and through this fortune teller that says, wow, wow, this person really knows. I need to listen. Well, what about my future? What about this? What about this? What about this? Well, here's what you need to do. And they don't know the future, but because they've gained your trust, they give you wrong information, and you begin to create a path for your life based on wrong information. But because they know the past that other people don't know, we'll listen to those voices. That's what Paul's dealing with. So this girl's following him around, and then she begins to say, now we don't know if it was her speaking or the demon speaking, but she begins to say, listen to these men. They are the servants of the Most High God. They're trying to point us to salvation. What she's saying is right, but the people are confused because they know she's of one spirit and one force, and Paul is teaching a whole different spirit and force. He's representing God. She's representing a different God. So there's confusion in the crowd. Look at verse number, how many think that's pretty good preaching for about 30 seconds here, okay? Look at verse 18. 
This she did for many days. Many days she followed Paul around doing this. But Paul, greatly annoyed, something began to turn over inside of him. It was the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now, there's more things that happen, and I'm not going to get into all that today. We'll save that for another message. But I've told you the story about Paul and the slave girl and the spirit of divination, as Scripture calls it. I've talked about the confusion it caused. This is a picture of where we live today. Because right in the middle of us declaring the gospel, there are all kinds of voices saying all kinds of things, trying to connect to God, trying to confuse us, trying to lead us to trust a spirit other than the spirit of God. It's happening even in our church world. Always has been there, always will be. It's a struggle. But here's the thing. Notice what Paul did. When Paul had enough and his spirit was stirred by the spirit of God, he turned and he cast that spirit out. And all of a sudden, she can't do any of that stuff anymore. And all of a sudden, her countenance changes. Her life changes. But here's the point. Paul's response was, let's silence the wrong voices so we can hear the right voice. You see it? Let's silence the voice of the enemy so we can hear what God has to say. There are so many voices out there. There are a lot of people, because they don't know how to hear God, they're listening to the wrong voices. You see, the Spirit of God will help us recognize wrong voices. The Spirit of God will help us recognize. See, Paul's listening to her say the right thing, but his spirit is troubled because he knows it's a different spirit that's speaking. He knows there's confusion among the people. So today, I want to take just a minute here. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about God's spirit being in us, and he will give us the ability to discern when a wrong spirit is speaking and when a wrong spirit's at work. And some of us have over-spiritualized that to the point where we think, well, I don't have that one. You know what? God will give that knowing to you if you want it. He will help you recognize when something's not right. Now, most people don't run till the end of service, you know, for the exit. You know, then they got plans. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody to fasten your seatbelt for about one minute here. Okay, because I'm going to tread where some people don't want to go, but I'm going to go there anyway. God does not speak through fortune tellers. That's not the spirit of God. Some of you don't know that. I'm telling you today to help you out. If you don't know that, you need to learn it. God does not speak through fortune tellers. If their power comes from anything but the name of Jesus, don't listen to it. It's deception. God doesn't speak through palm readers. I didn't get as many amens on that one. Some of you all have been visiting the wrong places. God doesn't speak through palm readers. God doesn't speak through horoscopes and astrology. Now, I know astronomy, study of planets, we learn about the nature of God. We see what God's created. But astrology, horoscopes, that's not of God. It's a different voice. You don't need to be listening to it. Let me get really, really in the kitchen, okay? 
I'm going to get in your kitchen right now. God, the Holy Spirit, does not speak through tarot cards. Go back and do the research for yourself. It's not the Spirit of God. It doesn't come from the Spirit of God. It represents other gods and other deities, which are simply demons. That's all they are. God doesn't speak through tarot cards. If you've got tarot cards, you need to go home and throw them in the trash, burn them, do something with them, get them out of your house because it's the voice of Satan. It's not the voice of God. It's not. It's good. It's real good. Thank you. Thank you. It's okay to say it's good in this house, okay? It's good. Let me go one step further. For those, how many like games? You like games? Everybody's afraid to raise their hand now. <laughs> God does not speak through Ouija boards. Some of you don't know that. Study the, go back and do your research. See where it's come from. See who promotes it and why. It's not the Spirit of God that speaks through Ouija boards. Let me summarize all this. God does not speak through voices that represent other gods, which is all of this. It's not God. He speaks by his word and by his spirit. As a matter of fact, God doesn't even speak through our superstitious religious ideas. He speaks by his word and by his spirit. You know, I may teach my, this may be a three-week series. This, this is too much fun today. So the question is, okay, then, so how will God speak to us and how will God lead us? All right, let me, let me give you three main things today. I want to summarize it in the three areas. Number one, the first and most common way God speaks to us, the first most common way God leads us is by his word. His word. God speaks to us through his word. We quote this all the time. In the Old Testament, David, Psalms 119, says, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows me where I am, and it shows me where I need to go next. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. See, a lot of people don't know this. John chapter 1, verse 1 Jesus is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the message of God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So when I'm ignoring the Word of God, I'm ignoring Jesus. That's good. That's good. His Word is spirit and life. See, you can sit down and start reading the Bible, and if your heart is open, the Spirit of God all of a sudden makes stuff just jump off the page and it hits you in the heart, and you realize, well, I need to take, I need to take notice of that. That's the Spirit of God using the Word of God to come alive to us. Paul said this in Romans 10, 17. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is what fuels us to follow God and believe God for our futures, to believe that there is life beyond this life. It's faith in God's Word, and it comes right out of God's Word. When I read God's Word, faith rises up in me. Now, nothing, nothing should ever replace our time Alone with God and his word. Let me go one step further. Most of the answers that I will ever need in life, most of the answers I will ever need in life are found right here in God's word. Most of them are right here. So let let me bring this into focus. I don't know how many of you know this. Depending on who you listen to, you may not know this. 
which voice you're listening to. But did you know that we have a crisis in America today with illiteracy? Did you know that? Did you know that we have a lot of our children graduating high school who don't know the three R's? And some of you say, boy, you must really be old. I'm, I'm not. I'm midlife. Remember that. But, but, but re- they can't read, they can't write, and they can't do simple math. We are graduating our children out of high school. They can't read, they can't write, they can't do math. They don't have the basic tools they need to function in life to hold down a job and provide for themselves. Now you may think, man, you know what you're talking about. Yes, I do. You need to do some research for yourself. Post-COVID, it's worse than ever. We have students graduating high school who can't read, write, and do simple math. What's that crisis going to be in five years and ten years for this nation? Well, let me, let me bring it down to home. We also have a crisis in the church. There are a lot of Christians that don't have any idea what the basic principles of Christianity are because they've never read the book. So we listen for voices to tell us how to live, where to go, what to do next. Ooh, you know this about my past? Then certainly you know my future. No, that's the work of the enemy. These other voices are trying to distract us and deceive us and lead us away from God. And the first reason is because, and please, 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 there is no condemnation in what I'm saying today, but there is direction in this. You need to know the simple principles of God's Word because they keep us from being deceived. And and I've said this so many times, I feel like I'm a broken record and people are tired of hearing it. You don't have to spend two hours a day reading scripture. You don't have to read a book a day or 17 chapters a day. If you read one verse a day and it speaks to you and you stay there and you get it inside of you, that'll help build your future. Start with one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Find out who Jesus is, what he said about God, his spirit, himself. Start there and then begin to read through the rest of the New Testament and see what it means to walk with God and know God. If we're not doing that, we're not serious about knowing God's leading in our lives. We become susceptible to all the wrong voices out there who are telling us all the wrong stuff. Oh, this is good. You say, well, how do you know it's good? It gets quiet when it's good. (laughs) Here's the thing. If I don't know what God's word says, any voice I hear can sound good and I can be deceived. Happens all the time. If I don't know what God's word says, any voice I hear can sound good. Anything that claims to be spiritual sounds good, and I'll chase it. It gets me in trouble. Because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But he doesn't wear a sign that says, I steal, kill, destroy. He wears a sign that says, I know the way, follow me, and we start following him. And then we find out we're on the road of destruction, and it's already hurt our lives. Boy, this is so good. This is, man, this introduction is so good. I I can't wait to hear the rest of the message. Let me go just a little further. Talk about counterfeits. Do you know how you figure out if, if a... If currency, a bill, 5, 10, 20, 100. You know how you find out if it's counterfeit? You compare it to the real thing. But Satan's work begins with deception. 
And if I don't know the real thing, what's true, I won't be able to recognize what's false. I'm, I heard a story years ago. You know, I need to hurry, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. If, this, if, if I do this for two weeks, it's fine, because it's that good. It's that important right now. Heard a story years ago about this older pastor, much older than me. He went to pastor this church, and he got there, and in the, in, he met with the leaders of the church, and they were so excited he was coming. He got up on Sunday morning and preached a message. And they thought, wow, that's a great message. Next week, he got up and preached the same message. And they thought, well, that's a little unusual. He preached the same message four weeks in a row. The leaders of the church called him in and said, you know, they, they, were, they thought maybe senile. They didn't know what's wrong with the guy. I mean, that doesn't disqualify you from service today in our nation at least. But <laughs> that's funny. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. That there is funny. Because either side of the aisle, we see it. What? We get out of that. They're thinking, man, we need to talk to him. So I call the pastor in. And they say, you know, we're not sure if you know it, but you've preached the same message four weeks in a row. Can you explain that? He said, yeah. When you get that message, I'll go on to the next one. So, so maybe when we get this message, I'll go on to the finished rest of it, okay? So next I want to talk to you about another way the Spirit leads us. The most common way he leads us is right here. This is what the word says, so I need to obey it, I need to follow it, I need to let it be a light to my feet, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A second way the Spirit leads us is sometimes the Spirit that lives in us just gives us a knowing. We just know. I don't know it here, I just know here. In my spirit, I just know this is the right way. Now, some of you say, well, what do you mean? Let me walk you through it. Romans chapter 8, I'm not going to have you turn there for time, but Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing about us being the children of God. And here's what Paul said. He said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, these are the sons of God. So what is one of the signs of me being a child of God or a son of God, a daughter of God? What does it mean I'm a son of God? What's one of the signs? I'm being led by his Spirit. I go first to his word, but then the spirit, which says the same thing that the word says, brings to my attention the things I need to know in my everyday living. Okay? As many as are led by the, sons of God, by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then Paul makes this statement in verse 16. He says, the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with my spirit. That I'm a child of God. See, the Spirit of God that lives in me from time to time just reminds me. You're God's child. You're God. It's almost like every now and then God just reaches down and gives us a hug and says, You're my child. I'm your father. It's going to be okay. See, the Spirit that lives in us from time to time bears witness, just reminds us, You're a child of God. And then the Spirit, as Jesus said, takes what belongs to God and begins to pour it into our lives. So when we're facing a crisis and we haven't seen the answer here and we wonder, well, where do I go next? The Spirit of God will give us a knowing of where we need to go next. Let me say it this way. The Word of God gives us a general understanding of how to know God and follow God. The Spirit of God 
gives us personal, individual details of how we live our lives and walk out our lives. See, God doesn't want you to be in the dark. He doesn't want, want you to be out there thinking, well, I don't know what to do next, so I guess I need to go ask somebody. No, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. He will give you a knowing of where you need to go next. This is good. So I need to learn to know when the Holy Spirit's speaking. Okay? Paul wrote this in the New Testament, in one of his epistles. He said, we, we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. When you're going to do something, and there's just an uproar inside of you. That's usually the Spirit of God trying to warn you, you're on the wrong path, you need to think this thing through. You're not seeing where you need to go next. Spirit of God will lead us. Now, I'm, I'm going to move fast, okay? But let me give you about four things real quickly here. This knowing that the Holy Spirit brings can give us direction for church, for our individual lives. A good illustration, Acts chapter 15. There's this council that's called together of the, the, the church leaders, the apostles, the followers, the original followers of Jesus, church leaders, church elders. They all come together because they've got this problem. The Jews are having to deal with the fact that the Gentiles are getting saved. Peter's gone to the Gentiles. They've gotten saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul's gone to the Gentiles. They're getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, they're telling them, well, you tell those people they've got to keep all the Old Testament laws, everything God gave the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. They've got to get circumcised. They've got to do this. They got to, you can't wear fabric with mixed fat, with uh, cotton and polyester. You have to wear only one fabric or one, uh, what does it be? One material at a time. You can't wear mixed materials. All these Old Testament rules that God gave to Israel to make them different, they're trying to make Israelites out of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are saying no, and some of the Jews are saying yes. So they had this conference. What are we going to do? They call the church leaders together. They pray, and they listen to, to Peter. They listen to Paul's testimony. They pray, they seek God, and they come to this consensus. And James gets up and shares it and says, you know what? We all recognize that God's working among the Gentiles, and they're supposed to follow Jesus, not Judaism. So we don't need to take all the Old Testament rules and put it on them. It's a burden we couldn't even bear. Why would we want to put that on them? So what happens next is they have this consensus. They have this knowing. We need to let them know they don't have to live by all those rules. So they, they decided we're going to send them a letter. And they sent this letter to all the Gentile churches, which basically said, we're not going to put Judaism on you, but there's a handful of things that you need to live by. One of which is live a clean life sexually. Don't live in sexual immorality. There were other things that they mentioned real quickly in short form. But then they said, this is all that we send to you. And the very word they used when they sent this out, this letter, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They had a knowing. This is the right thing to do. So it gave them direction. Let's notify those churches that this is how they need to follow Jesus. See, a few years ago, we were in a quandary here at our church. How many remember 2006, 7, and 8? Some of you already forgot about it. Well, it's okay, because history will repeat itself for those who don't learn from it. How many remember the recession that we had? People losing houses, people losing jobs, the economy a mess. 
back in that time, we just built a new church building. Our founding pastor retired, asked us to take the church. We were way upside down monthly income. It was tough. And what was worse was, everybody hold, hold on to this for a second, but think about this. We had metal roofs payments on this church of $256,000 a year on top of regular budget. We were in a place where we weren't going to be able to last more than a year. We were going to be broke. I got a group of men together. We prayed. We asked God to give us direction. We talked about it. God gave us a plan. We went to the county of Riverside, and they helped us put together a plan, and they even changed the way the metal ruse was being handled at the time. Our tax bill went from $256,000 a year to $60,000 a year. And you, you can say it any way you want to say it. God working in that situation through giving us a knowing of how to approach this. And we went to them humbly. We didn't go in there arrogantly. We went in there humbly and said, here's where we're at. What do we do? It changed metal ruse for this whole area and all these lots below us and around us that are now being developed. But here's the cool thing. The cool thing is God gave us a simple direction to take and God blessed it and provided for his church. It was the leading of the Holy Spirit. It was the knowing this is the direction. This is how I pursue this problem. Did you know the Spirit of God can help you figure out how to pursue the problems you're dealing with today? You don't need other voices. You need the Spirit of God. The Word of God, the Spirit of God. Another thing before I finish this morning. This knowing in our spirits may cause us to change our plans. How many of you have got the rest of your life all figured out? I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm still working on today, okay? Um, what are you going to do tomorrow? I don't even know yet. Ann and I, she asked me, what are we going to do Monday? I have no idea. Uh, I'm taking it one day at a time, okay? I, I think there's some scriptural value in that. But we also need to have plans. Paul, as he began to take the gospel, he wanted to go to all the then known world and preach. So he had a plan that he was going to go into an area that was called Asia. It's not what we would call Asia today. It is what today, uh, Asia at that time was a Roman Empire colony, if you will. Okay? But Paul said, I'm going to go there and preach the gospel. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16 that Paul and his band of preachers were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. God said, no, you're not going there. You're not going there. Don't go there. And then they just said, okay, we're going to go to Mysia, we're going to go to Bithynia, these cities, and preach. And the Spirit of God did not permit them to go there. What happened was, they had a knowing. They wanted to go, but the Spirit of God said, no, don't go there. Okay, we'll go here. No, you're not going to go there. Don't, don't go. And they waited. The next thing that happens in the night, Paul has a vision in the night. And he sees a man in Macedonia crying out, saying, can you please come help us? The next morning, Paul wakes up and says, I think we've got the new direction from God. They went to Macedonia. That's how they ended up at Philippi, which we talked about earlier. Paul and the, and the girl who had the spirit of divination. And they had planted a church there. And that church is still alive today, 2,000 years later, friends. Still there. But here's what I want you to know today. You can make your plans, but you need to lay them before God. Here's why. If God changes your plans, it's because he's got a better plan. He's got a better idea. 
And he knows how you need to go forward from here. I'm almost finished this morning. My time is gone, but I want to finish this last couple points real quickly. Acts Acts 18 tells us that sometimes this knowing in our spirits will compel us to speak or to act. You know, Paul was at Corinth and he saw all this ungodliness and was trying to figure out, what do I do? And it says that his spirit was compelled. His spirit was stirred. It was like it was oppressed and God just grabbed him and said, you need to speak up and do something. Have you ever had a situation where you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden something inside says, you need to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them God's got this and it's going to be okay. That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of God. Satan's not going to tell you to help somebody find Jesus. It's the last his nightmare. Okay? So sometimes we'll be compelled by the Spirit to speak or to act. We need to follow the leading of the Spirit. Last thing. And I'll pick the rest up next week. This knowing of the Spirit can bring a sense of purpose and assignment to our lives. Somewhere along Paul's journey, She had a knowing that I'm going to all these places, but before my life ends, before I end my ministry, I've got to go one more time to Jerusalem, and I've got to go to Rome. If you study it out, Paul went to Jerusalem, and he went to Rome, but he went as a prisoner. But Paul had this sense of purpose This is God's purpose for me. I'm going to all these places, but I can't be finished until I go back to Jerusalem and testify once again there and until I go to Rome and testify there because God opened up the door for him to speak to the emperor. Paul said this is a part of my purpose. And it's interesting, if you read this, it goes on to say that Paul was bound in the spirit to go back to Jerusalem. And he was bound in the spirit to walk this pathway. God was saying, this is my purpose for you. Friend, let me tell you something. It may be teaching children. It may be working with youth. It may be serving in the coffee shop or serving in the parking lot or helping with community care. It may be preaching. It may be teaching. Whatever God's purpose is for you, you need to open your heart and say, God, show me what my life is about and help me walk out what you want me to do with my life. God wants you to have a purpose for life. He wants you to have that. And the funny thing is, and this is the last thing I'm going to share, Paul said, the rest of my life, this is what he says in Scripture. I'm going to paraphrase it. But the rest of his life, everywhere he went, prophetic voices said, oh, don't go to Jerusalem. It's bad news. You go to Jerusalem, there's going to be problems there. Paul said, I know that. It's part of my purpose. The Spirit has bound me to walk out these persecutions and these problems. It's a part of my purpose in life. Now that I'm in midlife, that's the way I want to live the rest of my life. What's what's your purposes? What's your purposes? What do you want me to finish? I know what I've started. What do I complete? What do I pass on? What's next? Give me that purpose that I don't miss anything you have for my life. You know where that comes from? It comes from the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it comes one day at a time. Day after day after day. My time is way gone. Bow your heads. I need to pray. Father... You've spoken to us today. You've given us your word. Now I ask you to use your word. Use your word 
Use your spirit to open up our hearts and show us the way forward from here. God, there are people across this room. They've been listening to the wrong voices. We're going to get rid of all the other voices. We're going to silence them. We're going to get rid of all the trash. We're going to open up your word. We're going to open up our hearts to your spirit and let you speak to us and show us the way forward from here. You're the only voice we want to hear. The only voice we want to hear. So, Father, I'm asking you to lead us today. Lead us in Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed. One more moment. Because you might be here today and maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. You'd have to say, well, I'm not qualified to ask for God's help because I don't know God. I'll just tell you in a nutshell, make it really simple. God saw each one of us lost in our sin and while we were yet in our sin, he sent his son to die for us. Pay the price for our sins that we could receive everything that he laid down when he came to earth. That we could have his blessing in our lives. But God can't get involved in our lives until we say, yes, I want your help. I want you to lead me. So today I want to lead you in a prayer because you might be here and say, I, I, I want God's leading. I need God's help. I need it. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just wrap your heart around this prayer today. Father, I come to you. I need you. I need a Savior. I'm lost in my sin. I'm lost in my own ways. I need Jesus. I believe he died for my sins, so please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me with Jesus' blood and his sacrifice. God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to see your hand work in my life. So God, begin to lead me. Teach me your ways. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want Jesus to be not only my Savior, but I want him to become the Lord of my life. So teach me. Show me the path to walk. And I will follow you. From this moment forward, you are my father and I'll be your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you prayed that prayer today and you've never prayed it before, even if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, we want to give you a little booklet because th that prayer is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. I want to give you a simple little booklet we put together called The Next Seven Days. It's simple reading for each of the next seven days to help you start building a relationship with God. We want to put it in your hands. When service is over, there'll be people standing at the front of the building. There are prayer teams who are here to pray with anyone for any need. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter set up there. You'll see the sign overhead the next seven days. You can stop by there if you're in a big rush and don't have time to come forward. Just say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Before we dismiss today, the very last simple little thing. There are different ways you can give. We always put them on the screen each week so new people to the bridge know how we give here. Uh, feel free as God leads you to give. If you believe in tithe and offerings as we do, if this is your home church, make it a part of your life. I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. We, we've been sharing in recent weeks, and we've got more to share the next couple of Sundays, but I'll hold off on that because of time. Because of your faithfulness 
Our needs here are met, and we're touching a lot of people overseas with missions projects. So thank you so much for your giving. If you have a physical gift today, check or cash. There are envelopes on the back of the chairs. As you exit the auditorium, there are giving stations right there on those side walls. As you exit, there's also a giving station in the children's check-in area. Hey, we love you. God bless you. It's going to be a great week. We will see you next Sunday.